Well, uh, it's good to see everybody again. Good to see everybody. Uh, well, I will see you eventually online or, or you know how that works. Anyway, glad you're there. Um, let me spend just a few moments before our teaching time this morning just uh, providing a few key updates. So today is one of my favorite uh, high holy days of the church year. No, it, it's not Easter. No, it's not Christmas. It's not Epiphany. It's not even Pentecost. But it's OTCC goes to the Nationals game today. Uh, that is one of my high holy days. We've not been able to do this since um, uh, the pandemic, and I'm so glad uh, today is here. Now, if you didn't get a ticket and you still want to go, are, are there any available? Uh, what, is, that, is that wait a minute or is that two? Okay, there's two, there's two available. See, Pastor Brian, if you want to go, you didn't get a ticket. If those two get gone, uh, we are in section 403, which is right next to Jesus. And... Uh, and we are in rows E, F, and G. And uh, the way the Nats are going, uh, there should be plenty of seats available. So just know that. Um, also, I mentioned Hunter is from a group called Worship Leader Network. Uh, we're going to be blessed with people from Worship Leader Network for most of the summer. And so uh, as we continue our search for a long-term worship leader, Hunter, again, thank you uh, for being with us. You're going to be with us again, I think, the last uh Sunday in June, right? Yeah, that's awesome. So, uh, so just uh, keeping you abreast and a post, post of that. Also, uh, for those of you who are our guests, um, we have this incredible project going uh, called The Common Good. Now, I'm not going to get into a lot of details about The Common Good right now, but it's a really exciting ministry of our church to use a portion of our facility as a hub uh, and office space for nonprofits. Uh, we have uh, made a pretty significant adjustment in that strategy. I'm not going to go over it, but I will let you know that there are these brochures that you can pick up on your way out. Pick it up and read about uh, some of the adjustments in that strategy. I, I know that you'll want to see that. Where are they going to be available? You will be handed one as you leave, so make sure you read that. Feel free to reach out for questions. I think this is on our website as well. Um, uh, just a heads up, we let you guys know a few weeks ago we're engaging in a sanctuary refresh, okay, not a renovation, but a refresh in time. Nothing's happening yet. We don't have a date yet, uh, but just keep that in mind as you come in. Thank you for sitting in mismatched chairs and, and all that, but just uh, be patient with us, and as soon as we have dates and, and plans and all that, we'll, we'll let you know. Uh, yours truly will be on sabbatical from July 5th to September 5th. And uh, Pastor Brian will be uh, leading the charge during that time. I encourage you to pray for him and pray for me uh, as I am away. We have an incredible fall season of ministry already planned. Opportunities for you to go deeper into faith. Uh, opportunities for you to, to, to reach in and, and build your relationship with the church family. As well as opportunities to be on mission for God. Some exciting out-of-the-box opportunities to be on mission right here in our community. I'm not going to let the cat out of the bag, although we did have a cat in the building this past week. That's another story for another time. Um, but maybe as we get more plans, I'll update those. Next week, Father's Day Focus, we're going to hear a, a word from God. We're also going to hear a word from some fathers here uh, in the congregation at Old Town. And uh, that brings us to today. So you're updated. Do you feel updated? I hope you do. Uh, this brings us today, and last week, you may remember from our, our children's message that last week was Pentecost Sunday, and Pentecost represents the giving of the Holy Spirit. And on that day, 
uh, Peter preached a message and thousands were saved. And at the end of Acts chapter 2 there, we read this incredible description of the first century church, the very first church that gathered and established and began to expand. And so I want us to read that as our text today. Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47, reads like this. They, which means the, the early believers, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. This is the word of God for the people of God. This passage beautifully describes some of the activity of our forebears, our foremothers and forefathers in the church, the very first church. They learned together as the apostles taught them about Jesus. And remember, this was a time when, when most people, most believers couldn't read the printed word. And so they taught the stories of Jesus. And they told the stories of Jesus over and over and over. They worshiped together in the temple courts. They prayed together. They broke bread together. They met needs as they pursued mercy ministries to live out the mercy of God. They tended to the relationships, the, what's called the fellowship of the church. They lived out in the community in such a way that they had the favor of people. They bore witness to Jesus, and as they bore witness to Jesus, daily people were being added to their movement and to their mission. And what we see here, and this is something that, that we, we chat about often here at OTCC, is they actually lived out and established in the early DNA of the church the blueprint for the church, that they lived in what we call the triangle, up in relationship with God, in, in community with fellow believers, and, and strengthening the fellowship and encouraging one another, and then out on mission uh, in the world. That's what they did. That's the activities that they engaged. But these activities actually don't tell the whole story. What I want us to do this morning is I want us to consider attributes they had. Maybe this would be how they lived out these activities together. These attributes are something that you can't pencil in on a calendar when it comes to the Christian life. You know, sometimes we, 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 we reduce the Christian life if we're not careful to things we do and you can write certain things on the calendar. For example, they could write Sunday, 11 a.m., go to the temple with Peter and John, or Tuesday, 2 p.m., sail land at the corner of Camel's Eye and Elijah, or Thursday, 7 p.m., attend a special prayer session for widows marked by a time of worship. They could put that on the calendar. But there were some things about how they lived, attitudes of their heart, that marked their life together and that can mark our journey together as a people of faith. So, for example, we see an attitude of devotion. The very first word, they were devoted. In the Bible, the word devoted means to give yourself fully and completely over to something. Now, as I've mentioned before, 
as you can see with the, I'm not a Hawaiian shirt guy, but I am when it has Nats logos on it. I'm a devoted Nationals fan. I have a jersey or two. I have a flag out in the courtyard commemorating the World Series. Uh, when in 2019, I have some, even those little bobblehead things, and my dog has a jersey. You know, I, I'm a devoted fan. I even to this day, and I'm not kidding you, I'm going to show you a little bit so you can see what your pastor does sometimes in his off time. I will go to YouTube even now and watch little clips of the 2019 World Series run. Uh, I, 30 seconds, just indulge me. Michael, will you show that? Pastor Brian and I were actually at this game. Juan Soto's up. He hits a single. We were down by two runs. It was two outs in the bottom of the eighth. And all of a sudden, three runs score. And had Soto not hit that single, that would have been it. We won that game, right? We won that game. You can keep it going, Michael. Don't turn it off. We, we won, look, no, stop it right there. Okay, now Pastor Brian and I were there. That is not our beers in the air, okay? People threw beers in the air. I'm not saying we were having beer. What I'm saying is that's not us doing that, right? It was this wild celebration, right? I'm a devoted Nats fan. I still, maybe it's yesterday, you know, we're not doing too well. I still go back and I watch that over and over and over. You can take it off the screen now, Michael. We're not good this year. We're bad this year. I mean, we're really bad this year. And Jody will tell you, I've not missed a game. I don't go to a lot of games. I'm not going to waste money like that. But I watch them. And I record them, and I will watch them. I'm all in. I'm devoted, even when things aren't going well. It's easy to be devoted to the church when you're winning, when things are easy, when people are screaming and yelling and excited and all together and all this kind of stuff going on. It's another thing to be devoted when things aren't going so well. Now, we're blessed here. Things are going well. But you read, you read about the church of Jesus in our country and around the world today, and you read a lot about things that aren't going well in some aspects of the church. But because some people make headlines, because some denominations make headlines and do, do not good things, it doesn't mean you throw the church out and you lose your devotion to what they did in Acts chapter 2. And so even when things aren't going well and you just kind of want to fast forward through the bad parts, which I do. I don't sit there and watch every game. I fast forward through the bad parts. But even when you want to do that in the life of the church, the Lord calls us to be devoted to what he's doing in the world because the church is the body of Christ at work in the world today. They were devoted and it wasn't long after Acts chapter 2, 42 through 47, that they struggled. And yet they stayed devoted. Now, did some wobble? Absolutely. But they stayed devoted, and the church continued. And we're here today because of, of them and their devotion. They were all in. Devoted to God, devoted to others, all in for Jesus. I mean, imagine liquidating assets in order to meet the needs of one another. Imagine that. They sold property so that they could meet one another's needs. It was one of those kind of places like, hey, if I have it and you need it, well, it's yours. 
That's a powerful church. This summer marks seven years that we have been on this journey together of loving Jesus and loving one another here uh, in Old Town. Back in June of 2015, when I came as, as a candidate for uh, this position, I told you that I'm going to ask you to be all in and to be devoted. And you have. You've loved Jesus. You've loved one another. You've loved our community with a sacrificial passion. How many churches do you know would say to nonprofits in our community, hey, here's half our building. Let's see how we can make it affordable for you to pursue your mission in our city, to do good things in our city. How many churches do you know would do that? Not many. You've been sacrificial in your devotion. And let me just encourage you, continue to be devoted in supporting the ministry of the church. Be devoted in sharing what you have with others who are in need. Be devoted by praying for our city and by praying for your neighborhood. Be devoted in seeing your house as a center mission in the world today. Be devoted in believing what God can do through us together to do great things. You know, we have, where'd my thing go? I'm sorry about that. I got so excited watching that single again. But we have been through a pandemic together. And I know that when something like a pandemic happens, your faith can get a little wobbly Maybe your connection to the church can get a little wobbly or hit and miss. I believe God is fanning a new flame. I believe God is bringing a new spark and a new energy to what we're doing here. This is a great time to ask God, God, give me a greater devotion to your work. This is a great time to, to dig back in. I know some of you have, have come and joined our journey since the pandemic. Some of you are online all across the country. This is a great time to pray for the ministry of the church, to get involved in a deeper way in the ministry of the church, to increase your devotion to God in worship, to one another in fellowship, to our community, where you live on mission for Christ. They were devoted. You know, one more thing about this idea of devotion. When I think about devotion, I think about the devotion of our Lord. You know, he was devoted and taught those early disciples about the heart of God. He was devoted in fulfilling the will of the Father and, and devoted to his mission of going to the cross to die for our sins. We are devoted to him because he was first devoted to us. That's the picture. That's our model for devotion, our Lord. They were also filled with awe. That's a, a, another characteristic of their journey together. I've, I've heard it said that as human beings, we're the only creature that has the capacity for awe and for wonder. The other uh, animals don't have that. They have fear. They have fight or flight. But we're the only creatures that have the capacity to be awestruck and to hold something in wonder. And this has been given to us by God. Imagine what it would be like not to have this capacity. Imagine what it would be like to simply walk through life unimpressed, incapable of being moved. It would lead to a life that would be struggle and maybe sometimes a life that would lead to skepticism. 
The story of this early church is of the apostles performing signs and wonders among the people. And the people were in awe. People were healed and delivered from various diseases and afflictions. Miracles in the Bible always had a twofold purpose. To meet a need and to confirm the work and power of God as an act of witness. Let me say that again. Miracles had a twofold purpose. To meet the need of the person being healed, for example, and to confirm the work of God as a witness to the power and the mercy and the love of God. Now, some wonder if if signs and wonders still occur today. Some say no. That was just back for the apostolic era. Some say yes. I've always thought that God will do that which God wants to do to fulfill his holy purposes and to confirm his work in the world. Personally, I've never been a part of, of, uh, of or witnessed signs and wonders as they happened, like they say in the, in the first century as they happened. But I can't imagine a world in which miracles don't happen. Can you? I just can't imagine a world in which God doesn't break through and perform miracles. We just have to be open to how God performs those miracles. A few weeks uh, or a few months ago, I had a, a conversation with a friend who lives in another state about how I really see the development of the COVID vaccine. I've shared this before. It's just an absolute miracle of God. And my friend and I had this conversation, and he said, you know, I I hear what you're saying, but, you know, I'm afraid people will give too much credit to the scientists and not enough credit to God. And I said, well, that's our job as the church. That's our job to bear witness. That's our job to give God the glory, and to see something at work in the world. I I believe God gave those scientists the ability to do what they did. Yes, they used them uh, for the betterment of humankind. I believe God gave that. I believe that's a miracle of God. I believe God intervened for that to happen, and how many lives were saved because of that. So many. But it's our job to give the praise and the glory to God. They were filled with awe. Imagine what that must have been like. Step into their story for a moment. They saw amazing things happen, and this praise and this awe and this wonder turns into people wanting to know about this God who is the power behind these works and these wonders. Do you have the capacity for awe and wonder? Or let me ask that question a different way. Are you regularly exercising your capacity for awe and wonder at the incredible, incredible power and love and mercy of God? You know, last week we had um, ice cream on the sidewalk. And let me just tell you, when are we having it again? July 3rd, good, before I go go, uh, away for a little bit. Um, So... um, the, uh, if you have a chance, next time we have ice cream on the sidewalk, just go down, get ice cream if you want to get ice cream as adults, but watch the kids eat the ice cream. That is, you're talking about awe and wonder. I was standing with Myra and Andrew and Monica uh, and, and watching their, their little boy, Lucas, who's four or five, I think. And, um, and Lucas loved the, the ice cream cone. He loved the vanilla in the ice cream, and he loved the hard chocolate, but he didn't like the nuts on top. And now that's a conundrum, to be honest with you. 
But the way he went after that ice cream, the way he went after that cone, and he kept eating around it and eating up to it and never getting the nuts. I'm like, man, this kid is just filled with wonder. And he's filled with all. And you know what? I, I don't typically eat sweets before lunch, but it made me want to go over and get one. The way he was just filled with wonder for that ice cream, I wanted to get some. When we give testimony to the power and the work of God, when we allow ourselves, when we, when we let go of our inhibitions, when we quit worrying about other people might think we're just too excited about God, right? We have that, some of us have that mid-Atlantic stoic sort of you know, approach to faith. But when we say, hey, this is about our God, who works signs and wonders in our world today if we'd just be open to seeing them. When we give God the credit, when we hold God in awe, people will want to get some. People will want to know about the God we love and the God we serve. So they were filled with awe. Do you need to ask God to give you a greater sense of awe and wonder? Maybe start by watching kids eat ice cream. I don't know. Let me just add one more. They were united. In this passage, you find the word together three times. Three times you see the word together. It's interesting. Uh, in Acts chapter 2, 46, it says, They ate together. They shared meals together with glad and sincere hearts. Some translations render this, they were in one accord. And they were united even though they came from very different backgrounds. In Jerusalem at this time, there were Jews from all sorts of nations, and so many converts came from a wide variety of ethnic backgrounds. And then, of course, the, the church expanded from there to include Gentiles, which added even more diversity. This is yet another characteristic that many scholars are pointing to as the reason why the early church was, grew so quickly is the Christian church, unlike any other movement at that time, in that point in history, had so many different groups of people, and they were so diverse. They empowered women and gave dignity to women like no other movement before that time. They drew people from various ethnic backgrounds. They brought together the wealthy and the poor. They brought together the educated and the uneducated. One scholar said, it's why when we read the work of St. Paul, you see that he was ruthlessly committed to the unity of the church. Now, let me say two things about unity. Unity is not uniformity. You know, we, I say that often, but unity is not uniformity. It does not mean that we all think alike, look alike, and act alike, and hold the same opinions on finer points of faith. This is why unity in the, in the body of Christ is such an act of the Spirit. It's not something we can achieve on our own. We need God's help. And unity means that we submit to one another and we submit to the greater causes to which we are committed. And in some cases, unity requires a spirit of reconciliation where old hurts and wounds are forgiven and healed for the sake of Christ. But it makes the church so incredibly amazing. The Lord has given us by His grace everything we need to be reconciled one to another. Through his grace at work, he's given us the incredible capacity to love 
enemies and forgive those who hurt us. He's given us the capacity to move out of relational guilt and bondage and into a place of freedom and peace. Because the gospel tells us that Jesus took the separation of God on the cross so that we could be reconciled to God. The gospel tells us that he took on all the unloveliness of our sin so that we would become the beloved of God. The gospel tells us that he was so bound to the will of God on the cross so that we could be liberated from the power of sin. He lived the perfect life that we should have lived and died the death that every one of us deserved to die. That's the gospel. And it achieves unity with God and with one another. So that's the first thing about unity. The second thing is unity is not an exclusive inward behavior. That's so fascinating. You, you would think, that okay, if, if, if church is trying to achieve unity, that they would close ranks and become exclusive and only focus on one another. But unity is just the other way around, right? Closing ranks and only focusing on one another, that would be called a clique. The Greek word here for accord is a fascinating word. It's only used 12 times in the Bible, 10 times by Luke who wrote Acts. It means, it's a compound word that means to rush along together. Think about that. To rush along together. It has a musical quality as in when different notes form a beautiful harmony, different notes form a beautiful harmony together and they move along in the musical piece. To rush along together. That's what it means to be on mission together. When we're devoted to one another, living in toward the fellowship of believers, when we are worshiping God, living up toward God in worship and study and discipleship, then we rush along together on mission, sharing the love of God as a diverse yet united family of faith. And people see this, and they were just in awe. And they wanted to be a part of this group that was so devoted, that had this incredible sense of awe, and they were united even with diversity. So, let's continue to rush along together on mission for Jesus. Let's deepen our devotion. Let's renew our sense of awe and wonder as we gather for worship. Let's give God the glory and tell others about the great things he has done. Amen? Amen. Let's pray together. Lord God, we thank you so much for the, these snapshots that you give us in your word that show us what you intend for, for us to be as disciples and what you intend for your church to be as we gather together to do your work, to be the people that you want us to be. God, thank you for the call that you've placed on each one of our lives as your people. Thank you for the call that you have placed on Old Town Community Church. Lord, I pray that you would help us in all things to give you praise and honor, to hold you in awe and wonder everywhere we go in our homes, at work, at school, at, at the pool, at Nats Park, wherever we go. Lord, help us to give testimony to you so that others will turn and praise you and know you. 
In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.